I know your bulletin says the book of Job this morning, but we're not going to go there. Instead, we're going to go to the book of Romans, chapter 1. I reserve the right to do that every now and then. Uh, we That lesson in Job wraps up a series we've been in, and so we've got a lot of our folks that are out this morning. And Number one, I'm not sure if I can my voice will hold out that long, so you may get the end of this today and see, see, Brother Andy is not long-winded every sermon. Uh, so you, you may get a little shorter version this morning, but long or short, God's Word God's Word, amen? amen. And there's a message for us to, to learn and, and for us to understand. Uh, for those that have been in our class in Romans on Sunday night, you understand that the book of Romans was a letter. Paul, when he wrote this, didn't start out by saying, you know, I think I'm going to write the book of Romans because it's going to be in the Bible and 2,000 years from now at Old New Hope Baptist Church, Brother Andy's going to preach out of it on a Sunday morning or he's going to teach out of it on Sunday night. Paul was very simply writing a letter to the Christians at in the city of Rome. At the, the, the Christians that lived in Rome made up what was called a local church. And we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. Lord willing, uh, we will wrap up our series on God is Bigger next week in the book of Job. But after that, we're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at what is the church. When somebody says, I'm going to be part of the church or God added to the church, what is the, what's the church in a universal sense and what is the church in a local sense? And basically, the local church is a group of Christians that are together in a community that have decided to do together what God wants them to do together. And, and that's what we are here at Old New Old Baptist Church, and that's what the, the church was at, uh, at Rome. And, and we're just going to look uh, at these first few verses in Romans chapter uh, 1, because I think there are some lessons there that we can learn and find out what our purpose is here at Old New Hope. Baptist Church as well. Verse 1. Paul, an apostle or a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. I like the way that they wrote letters in the first century. Today, if we get a letter, uh, unless there's a return address on the envelope, what do we have to do to find out who wrote it? We have to go all the way to the end, right? And where it says at the very end on page 12, you finally get to the back of it and it says... Sincerely, Bob, or sincerely, Aunt Sue, or, or whatever. In the first century, they put the name first, Paul. Uh, that's how we know who wrote the book. Paul, every one of Paul's letters that we know that he wrote for sure started with this uh, salutation. Paul says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm called to be an apostle. I'm separated to the gospel of God. Paul says, I have a job to do. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. I've been called to be his messenger. I've been set apart to do what it is God has called me to do. And he says, this gospel of God, and, and that's the theme of this whole book, is the gospel. Uh, the gospel, the death, the burial, of re and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is not a what, the gospel is a who. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son Jesus Christ. Our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. In other words, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. This gospel 
is about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. Jesus Christ, the seed of David. But he's also in the flesh, in verse 4, he's declared to be the Son of God with power. How, where was he declared to be the Son of God? At the resurrection. Understand that Jesus was born of a virgin, and that in and of itself is incredible. God became flesh and came to earth. He lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life, and he died to be your sacrifice and my sacrifice. But the way that we know God accepted that sacrifice, and the way that we know the sacrifice of Jesus was enough, is the fact that three days after Jesus was put into the grave, Jesus resurrected from the dead, right? That's how we know it's enough. I can't live good enough to be saved. You can't live good enough to be saved. Jesus Christ can. Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ died as a sacrifice for all of our sins. He took my sin debt. He took your sin debt. He took the world's sin debt. And by the way, his blood is powerful enough to save the whole world, right? There's not anybody that can be so bad that, well, Jesus wasn't good enough to save them. The blood of Jesus isn't powerful enough to save them. Jesus Christ is powerful enough to save all of us. Jesus, There's no sin, there's no sinner that is so bad that Jesus Christ can't save them. Don't let yourself think, because sometimes even as Christians, Satan will get in our heads that we aren't very good. That Well, you must not really be a Christian, or you wouldn't have said that. Or you must not really be a Christian, or you wouldn't have thought that. You must not be a true Christian, because if you were a true Christian, you wouldn't have done this. You just don't deserve it. Don't listen to that hogwash. Jesus Christ is enough, amen? And his resurrection proves it. His resurrection shows that power. And he says in verse 5, Through whom, Jesus Christ, we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also were called of Jesus Christ, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Can I change some words in these verses without really changing the meaning of them. I want to change some words here. And I want to say, among whom you, by you I mean all y'all here this morning, I mean the Christians at Old New Hope, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. Did you know Jesus Christ called you? Did you know that when Jesus saved you, he called you? You remember when Lazarus had died and was in the tomb, and he's there for four days. Four now. And Jesus walks to the cave, the tomb. He says, roll the tombstone back. And Mary and Martha says, Lord, he, he's been there four days. He stinks. In case you didn't know, four-day-old dead things stink. Mary and I like to watch forensic files. And we can verify from what we've seen on TV that four-day-old bodies stink. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, I don't care. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come here. Jesus called Lazarus. 
And you know what Lazarus did? Watch this. Lazarus came out of the grave. Jesus says, take those grave clothes and take those things off of him. He's free. Can I tell you, Jesus did that for you. He said, Andy, come forth. And I came forth from the bonds of sin. And Jesus took those grave clothes. And he freed me. And he freed you. Called of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ called us, verse 7, to all who are at Old New Hope. Called to be saints. When you think of the word saint, what do you think about? Do you think about some super Christian like Paul or James or Peter? Did you know that Paul called just the everyday Christian at Rome who's been called of Jesus Christ? He called them a saint. And that's why I say we can change the wording here. And I can say that everyone who is a Christian that's here at Old New Hope this morning, you've been called to be saints. Now Satan may tell you that you're nobody. Satan may tell you that you're not worth anything. The world may tell you that you're not important. The world may even think you're a little bit crazy. But can I tell you that you're a saint? If you're a Christ follower this morning, you are a saint. You want to know why we walk around and live defeated lives? It's because we forget who we are. We let Satan talk us into who he says we are. I'm not making this up. Read Ephesians 1 when you get a chance. You're going to find out that you're predestined. You're chosen. You have an inheritance. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed. You have a future. You have a destiny. You have a legacy. And you know what your legacy is? Before I get there, I saw this commercial on TV last night about Ancestry.com. And everybody's trying to find out. It says, find out who your legacy is. I'm kind of afraid to do that. I'm afraid to find out I might be kin to Jack the Ripper or something. <laughs> you know, so it kind of makes me nervous about doing the ancestry. They had a free uh, weekend one weekend, and I kind of traced back to like the early 1700s when my ancestors came from uh, Germany and came to Virginia. But I'm afraid to go much further back. You get much farther back than the early 1700s. You get to all those pirates and all those folks. That, uh, and so you may, we may not want to know what our legacy is. As a Christian, you have a legacy. And you know who's at the head of your ancestry.com? Jesus Christ. You are a child of a king. You have a legacy. And that legacy is not built on who you are. Aren't you glad? It's not built on what you did. It's not built on what you do. It's built on what Jesus did. And that's enough. How do I know that? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He says, you are called to be saints. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, first, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all. 
that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I've got a question this morning. If we were to ask Fairview, the community of Fairview, about Old New Hope Baptist Church, what would they say? What, what are we known for? That's an important question, isn't it? Because there are some churches that are known for fighting. There are some churches that are known for changing pastors every six months because they run them all off or they run members off or, or they do this or they do that. You know what my vision is for Old New Hope? I want Fairview to say that is a loving, kind, caring church that not only cares for each other, but they care for the community. Paul says, I'm over here in Corinth. That's where Paul was when he wrote this. I'm over here in Asia Minor, what we would call Turkey today. And he says, I've heard of your faith way over here. Your faith has been made known all over the world. He says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. I'm always praying for you. I don't say prayers where I don't pray for you guys. He says, I make request if by some means now, at last I may find in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. There was a rumor going on, we think, that said Paul was afraid to come to Rome. Paul had been uh, all in these, he'd been out in the boondocks. And the way the Romans looked at the boondocks, it was anywhere outside of Rome. Uh, he said, Paul, you've been in the boondocks. You're, you don't want to come to Rome. You, you're not ready to take home the big time. You're not ready to come to where the big boys are here in Rome. Paul says, I want to come. Paul says, I want to come to, first of all, in verse 11, I want to give you a spiritual gift that you may be built up. I have something that the Lord's given me that I want to give you. But he says also that I want you to give to me in verse 12. One of the reasons why we join a church and one of the reasons why we have a local church is to share each other's spiritual gifts. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a singer. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's a piano player. Listen to me try to play the piano and you'll say, Amen, brother. Everybody's not an organizer. Everybody's not technology gifted. Everybody's not, doesn't have the gift of hospitality. But did you know when you get a group of God's people together, whatever we need as a church, God gives us and we're able to share with each other. There are things that I, that I give you as your pastor, but let me tell you what, there are things you give me. Y'all bless me way more than I bless you. You don't even realize it. But you do. When I preached a couple of weeks ago to empty pews because it was snowing, that's kind of hard to do to preach to pews. But I thought about where all of y'all were. And I thought, I see your smiles, and, I, and that made it easier to preach that sermon. 
you're a blessing to me. And I hope I'm a blessing to you. And that's what God's plan is. Is that for us to bless each other. And then you know what happens when you feel blessed? You go be a blessing. If you don't feel loved and encouraged and you don't feel like you're a blessing, it's hard for you to leave here and go be a blessing. One of the phrases that I use in my planks, ponderings, and, and quite often in conversation is, you be blessed and go be a blessing. It, it works both ways. You see, I want to encourage us to go bless our neighborhood. But you know what's going to happen when we go bless our neighborhood? We're going to get blessed. Y'all remember when we went to the old, to the nursing home and sang Christmas carols to them a few years ago before this COVID mess started? They blessed me way more than I blessed them. They were glad to see us. They were happy to see us. All except for this one man. But that's okay too. Be a blessing. Paul says, I want to come there. I want to give you a gift, but he says, I want to get a blessing too. I want to be a blessing. I want to get a blessing. Verse 13, I don't want you to be unaware, brother, and I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just among the other Gentiles. I'm not afraid to come to Rome. The reason I haven't come is because God hadn't let me. God's had other things that he's wanted me to do. And now I want to get to the crux of this message, and then I'm going to hush. Three things right quick. The I am's of Paul, verses 14, 15, and 16. Paul says, first of all, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul basically is saying here, don't get caught up in his terms. He's saying, I'm a, I'm a debtor to the educated, the uneducated. I'm a, de I'm a debtor to the civilized, the uncivilized. What does Paul mean? Paul says, I've been saved. Remember that's what he said in verse 1. He says, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm called to be an apostle. I'm separated to the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Jesus saved me. And so I owe it to other lost people to tell them about Jesus. You know what our mission is here at Old New Hope Baptist Church? More than anything else, our mission is to tell people about the life-saving blood of Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, I want to take them baskets. Yes, I want to invite them to a fellowship meal. Yes, I like to have a block party. Yes, when, when they have the nature fest at Bowie Park, I want to go have a, say, a booth there so we can... You know why I want to do that, though? Because I want to tell them about Jesus. I'm a debtor. I owe Jesus Christ. And I can never pay that debt back. You can never pay that debt back. But you know what? I intend to spend the rest of my life trying. I intend to spend the rest of my life doing what I can to tell others, I am a debtor. You are a debtor. Number two. Verse 15. So much, as in, so much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. I'm not afraid to come to Rome. I'm ready. I want to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. I, I'm a preacher and I want to preach. All Paul needs is an audience. 
You start reading the book of Acts, every time a miracle occurs and a crowd gets gathered, Peter goes to preach it. That's all a preacher needs is a crowd, whether it's three or 103. You just need somebody that will sit and listen. Paul says, I'm ready to preach. When we went to the bivocational retreat last weekend, There were a couple of fellows there, a couple of black preachers. One was named Albert Collins, and the other one is named Willie McLaurin. Can I tell you those brothers can preach? That was some of the most spirit-filled preaching I have ever heard. It made me shout. I was ready to jump up and start dancing. And for a Baptist, that's something, amen? He was ready to preach. And you know what? When he got done preaching, I was ready to preach. How about you? You say, I'm not a preacher. You know what? We've all been called to ministry. We all have been called to share what we know about Jesus Christ. God hasn't called us to be theologians. But God has called us to tell others what Jesus has done for us. The older I get, the less I know about the Bible. But I tell you what I do know. I was lost. And I was saved by Jesus Christ. And I know that's enough. Because the power of Jesus' resurrection held me so. I am a debtor. I am ready to preach the gospel. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul gets now to the crux of this uh, accusation that he's afraid to come to Rome. Paul says, I'm not afraid of the gospel. The gospel will hold up there in Rome just like it holds up way out here in the boondocks. Can I tell you something? I understand that we live in a world that is more technologically advanced than it's ever been before. At the push of a button on a computer, you can find out about anything. But can I tell you, the gospel holds up today just as well as it did in Paul's day. Did you know it's still the gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus that saves people? It's not our knowledge. It's not our intelligence. It's not our technology. It's not our engineering feats. Did y'all know over in Rome, there are still roads that are used today that were built by and designed by engineers in the Roman Empire? I understand they've been upgraded and all that kind of thing. But before we get too excited about our stuff today, that stuff they built back then was pretty good too, amen? But can I tell you the gospel? The death of Jesus Christ, the burial of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the power of God into salvation. It's not the messenger. It's not the building. It's not the sign in the yard. It's not the date on the calendar. The gospel of Jesus Christ was the power of God to salvation in Paul's day. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God into salvation today. And if the world lasts until 5,426 A.D., 
The gospel of Jesus Christ will be the power of God to salvation then too. Amen? Amen. That's what saves people, and that's what the world needs to hear. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Yes, even that person. Did you know whoever leads the news tonight? And generally whoever leads in the news has either killed somebody or done something crazy. That's what happened there on the top headline of the news. Did you know that if they'll trust Jesus as their Savior, the gospel is their power to salvation? To all that believe, to the Jew first, and also for the Greek, for in it, in what? The gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just shall live by faith. And I'm going to wrap up there. I can keep going. There's a commentary series on the book of Romans that's about 28 volumes long. We could stay in Romans forever. But that little phrase right there, the just shall live by faith. What does that mean? That means that if you're going to come to Jesus Christ, you've got to come through faith. It's not your goodness. It's not your intelligence. It's not your wisdom that brings you to Jesus Christ. It's faith. I can't... When I trusted Jesus as my Savior, I didn't see the sins leave my body. I, I didn't see that by faith. And when I was baptized, I... I didn't see any sins laying around on top of the water. There's an old joke that says uh, a preacher is going to baptize this lady, and he, he, he says, now you've already been saved. But now what this baptism does, it's symbolic of what has happened inside you. It's symbolic of the fact that you're dying to sin. It's, an, it's symbolic of the fact that you're being raised to walk in newness of life, your sins are going to be totally washed away. And she looks at him and says, and that little old fool? <laughs> I didn't see my sins washed away. I didn't see, but you know what? I have faith that they did because Jesus said so. And I can't see heaven. But I have confidence it's there by faith. My walk is by faith, and the older I get, the stronger my faith is. Because I've seen God act. And I've seen God do. And I, and I know if God told the truth about one thing, he's told the truth about the rest of it. So what do I want us to get out of this today? I'm a debtor. You're a debtor. I'm not ashamed. But I'm ready to preach the gospel. I hope you are. Hope you're ready to leave here today, wherever you go, eat lunch. Maybe somebody, God will put somebody in your faith, in your path to tell them about Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's, it's not, it's not complicated. It's not a fancy intellectual theorem. But I believe simply in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It's enough to save me. It's enough to save you. And it's enough to take us home. And y'all, that's enough. Let's bow. 
Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us and for making the sacrifice that uh, we needed on the cross of Jesus, uh, on the cross of Calvary that Jesus made. Father, I pray that we would understand that your gospel is not something that is just a one-time thing we believe to get saved. But help us to understand your gospel is the foundation of our life. Help us understand that we need the gospel more today than we've ever needed it. Help give us boldness as we leave this place to tell others about you. And help us be the kind of church you would have us to be as we go into this world as a light in darkness. And I pray when people look at Old New Hope Baptist Church, I pray they would see Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.